Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hi, Changemaker. It's Holly Rustic with GrantWritingAndFunding.com. All right, we have a special episode today as I'm interviewing someone who I have been in contact with for more than a year. So she's been um, trying to get on the show. We just haven't been able to get the best time situated, but she and she was in the middle of a transition, but now she is on the show today. So it's kind of cool because as um, I know about her nonprofit for more than a year ago, like I said, and I've been able to follow the transition of where she was even then to where she is today and literally she's even changed states but she's been able to franchise her nonprofit in different states so this episode is definitely for you if you're at a startup nonprofit or maybe um, one of the challenges she talks about today is having a challenge recruiting a board of directors and how she's been able to overcome that and to finally start getting people who are actually committed so it's really interesting as far as how easy it was for her to get her nonprofit set up. But then if you listen along to the podcast, you'll see how that ease might have kind of not been good in the long term as far as uh, supporting her with her board of directors. So she's going to explain that. And hopefully that can save some of you out there years of time just by listening to this episode and how she's been able to navigate that. The other thing she talks about today is her products. And we also look at, we halfway through this uh, interview, it turns into a coaching call where um, I also give her feedback on developing different types of revenue for her nonprofit. So if you're interested in, in um, being able to generate multiple streams of revenue for your nonprofit, or in just knowing some ideas that come up if you're a consultant when you're coaching your nonprofits, definitely check out this episode. And of course, if you want more information, I now have my grant writing master course and my nonprofit strategic planning course on my website, grantwritingandfunding.com. So please check those out. If you're looking to go way more in depth and get videos, downloadables, samples, and templates, and also the monthly uh, live group coaching call. All right, guys, so let's get back to Asia, our guest today. Asia Stevens is 28 years old from Illinois. She is the executive director at Once Upon a Paw, which started in 2015. So this is a 501c3 nonprofit that has now been established in both Illinois and Arizona. Asia works as a veterinarian technician, and she's been a vet tech since 2011. She has a six-year-old son named Dorian, and also four rescue dogs, one cat, and a red-tailed boa snake. So yes, you might already have an idea about what her nonprofit's all about, and of course, it is all about serving animals. But the way she serves animals is not just about a rescue um, animal shelter. It's really interesting as she serves a specific niche gap but i'm gonna let her tell you all about it i hope you enjoy the episode hi change maker it's holly rustic here with grant writing and funding and i'm here to help you grow capacity increase funding and to advance mission and i am here today i'm super excited i'm here today with ishii stevens who is the executive director of a nonprofit called once upon a Paw. So super, super cute. Obviously, she's targeting towards animals. Um, so thank you so much, Aisha, for coming on the show today. I'm really excited. Hi, it's no problem. I'm honored to be on your show. 
Yeah, yeah, really excited. And we actually connected over a year ago. I know you had been listening to the podcast and you reached out for some questions. So we've been trying to get this set up for a while. So I'm really happy that it's finally happening. (laughs) I I agree. Yeah. And I know, you know, just when you were, when we were talking, you were in Chicago and you're moving down to Arizona, you've been settling there for a little bit, but before we go into all of that, I just want to hear a little bit about your story and just to give a little background to our audience, our listeners out there that Once Upon a Paw was started in 2015 by yourself and you are a veterinarian technician that has a big heart for animals and a passion for animal care. You're a 501c3 organization, so congratulations on getting that. Yes. And Thank you, you. Yeah. And you give animals a voice and financial help to families in qualified areas, right? So you cover 100% expenses for dog and cat annual care, and you donate hundreds of pet food to families in certain counties, right, where you operate. So, I mean, this is amazing. It really helps decrease animal shelter rates and save a lot of pets lives like people love their pets but sometimes they just can't afford to take care of them right so you yes. are the bridge so yeah can you yes. just share how, why you started this nonprofit organization um i am a big animal lover mm-hmm. um and i just with me being in the field as a veterinary technician for eight and a half years i will always just see so many people surrendering their pets because they the heart is their heart is you know, in a very great place, they just don't financially have it to maintain their pets. And I just feel like every home or everybody should own a pet. So my whole idea of planning it was pretty much to make sure that the animals can stay in the homes mm-hmm. with the families. And just because the family can't afford to keep up with the vaccines or the annual stuff, I don't think that the animals should be surrendered and placed into a shelter. And some of these shelters, you know, especially the pit bull breed, they are put down. Or if the dog is too old and has been there too long, they're they're often killed. Right. And so we're just trying to lower lower the rate. If we can lower the rate and just keep the animals home, it's, it's just it's, it's just a better place for everybody. <laughs> no, it just makes so much sense. I mean, it's just a specific gap that I think a lot of animal care places, they don't necessarily look at. They're just looking at taking animals off the streets. But you're like, no, these animals are, actually have homes and they have loving homes, but they, their owners just don't have the financial means you know, to actually take care of them. So that's a huge gap that maybe isn't, you know, it's kind of overlooked. So I like that you're focused on that. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Definitely want to be focused on that because with also with me, you know, as uh, being a veterinary technician and working in the shelters, when new animals come in, then these animals already there are, you know, exposed to viruses and other diseases that the new animals have brought in. Right. So it's just, I just feel like it's just a less uh, shelter rate. And also with also me being a big advocate for like promoting the spays and the neuters, mm-hmm. just minimizing the amount of puppies and the kittens. And that also can help with the lowering of the sheltering. That's why in our Chicago location, we team up with a, another nonprofit. And that is where I will send all the people that's required in the uh, qualifying zip code. Mm-hmm. And we pay for their microchip implants, their vaccines, any booster vaccines that the puppies might need mm-hmm. or kittens might need. 
and then for them to be spayed or neutered. No, that's fantastic. I mean, you know, I just think about it here on Guam. I just recently a a adopted a rescue animal and, you know, it was really interesting when we went in there to pick up the cat and they had said, you know, uh, one of the questions they asked is, are we military? And I just say this because we live on Guam, so it's considered overseas and they just need to make sure if you are military, because you're probably going to only be here for two years on deployment, that you're going to take the animal with you right when you leave. So they said they have a lot of issues potentially with military people and it's not their fault because it's so expensive to ship the animals, yeah. there, you know, or they, they just don't ship a lot of animals. Now the one airline carrier that we have, you know, just started saying they wouldn't ship certain dogs. Like you said, those kind of Rottweiler types of dogs and, and it's, it's yeah. really bad, you know? So yeah, I mean, those are certain questions that I think are very educated questions and, and, you know, need to be asked, you know, it's not to marginalize anyone, but it's just to make sure if you are, then you have the means to take your animal with you. Because when you, when we adopted our cat, Jumi, they said, um, you know, she's your family now. You wouldn't leave your family behind. You know what I mean? And I thought that's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, all my animals are, are rescues. Yeah. Um, my first rescue, his name is Chase, and he is now eight years old. He'll be nine in September, but I rescued him when he was four months. He was returned to the shelter three times. Oh. They were going to put him down because they deemed him not adoptable. He just had, you know, behavior issues, and I have a weakness for the and the dogs that, that just have the most troubling background. Yeah. And for him to be so young, I just, I just couldn't see them putting him down for this. And so usually, you know, they, if they're deemed not adoptable, they won't adopt them at all. Uh, but me knowing people at the, at the place, they were like, look, uh, sign up everything. He's yours. And he's, he, he's definitely a blessing. <laughs> he gives me a lot of problems now. He's eight years old. He'd be nine. And he is still crazy. Yeah. But I feel like... <laughs> I feel like he went, came to the perfect home because a true passionate animal lover, which is myself, was able to, you know, just raise him with the proper love and support and just make sure that he just lives out the rest of his dog years, just live it out like his best life. And the people who returned to him, you know, he is very cute. So the people who returned to him probably just got him. He's a Pomeranian. He's small. You can put him in your purse. Yeah. But they didn't realize he had other issues and he was always returning. Oh, that's too bad. Well, I'm glad that you got him. That's really awesome because it takes a special person for <laughs> special <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. And I feel like all my animals, they all have a story. Like my cat came to me, uh, Mr. Monopoly. He was, he had a broken tail. He oh, was yeah. covered in fleas, ear mites. He was apparently some kids uh, over in Arizona had been throwing him back and forth, back and forth, and Aww. swinging him by the tail at a park. Oh and the lady had saw it, and it was I was working as a veterinary technician at the time in the day practice. And this cat came in. We didn't even think the cat was going to make it. It had been looked like it had been kicked. It Aww. it was just in bad condition. And he is just he is doing really, 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 really wonderful Aww. now. In the beginning, he was so scared. I had to like, I feel like I had to quarantine him mm -hmm. and just slowly introduce, right? you know, humans, yeah. you know, to him because he was just so like on edge about everything. But mm -hmm. he is, he's wonderful. He's a blessing also. And in my last 
maybe Khalees, mm-hmm. he was on a corner in a box, and yeah. a guy was just on the on the on like a corner of the street in Arizona called McDowell. And I just pulled over and I'm like, oh, you know, I'll take the dog. So I'm a bad tag. I can take him to get their help. And the guy's like, you're not getting this dog unless you pay me. And I'm just like, how much do you want for the dog? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. how much do you want for the dog? I'll, I'll give it to you. And I gave, I, I said, I have $100 for him. Gave him $100 and he, I took him home and I took him to work the next day. Mm-hmm. He cost me $600. Wow. <laughs> but he also, he'd be two years old. I had him for eight weeks. And he'll be two this year in June, and he's doing wonderful. Oh, I feel cool. like the 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 amount of money I've spent on these animals, and to me, I don't even look at it as money. I yeah. just love them, and that's how I am with all animals, though. Okay, so this is actually a, a really good segue then into you know a lot of people they start nonprofits because they're really passionate about something like you are with animals, but running a nonprofit is it takes more than just passion, as you know. So what are, what's some of your journey that you've had with opening a nonprofit? And maybe if you could even talk about also having it branch off in two different states, because that's like a whole nother thing. But maybe if you just start with first, like, you know, starting a nonprofit, how that has been for you. Starting a nonprofit as like that whole journey in the beginning, I felt like it wasn't, you know, so difficult. Um, I am. My best, one of my good best friends, mm-hmm. he has a nonprofit organization. So, you know, he just explained a lot to me, the process. I actually hired a company nice. to um, help me get mm-hmm. all my paperwork approved. They yep. overlooked everything to make sure that, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. all my eyes were dotted and my T's were crossed. Yep. And the, so the problem, I would say the process was like, to me, was really, really easy. Mm-hmm. It was extremely easy. The, the challenges with having a nonprofit is just keeping like consistent like board members. Mm. You always you always think you get people that's just like yourself there, and they're like, "Oh, I love animals too," and oh, yeah, I, I I do this and I have this and I've adopted it, and it's like 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 you stated, just having a nonprofit is more than passion. Yeah, like it's times where I don't even sleep, and mm. like it's times where I'm just up and I'm like just planning on ways, trying to figure out what are ways. I could do to make this like this life this planet of like just uh animal friendly all over the board. Mm-hmm. Like I'm constantly thinking about like ways I can put laws in place for people who like uh fight dogs, like just getting to real time, people who throw stuff on cats or just, you know, abuse animals. Mm-hmm. But I will get a lot of board members or people who want to be board members mm-hmm. and they say, Oh, I love that and I wanna be a part of it yeah. and they help for a couple of weeks. And then they are nowhere to be found. Finding board members can be a big struggle, right? Yes, yes. I feel like I'm, I feel like um, I'm finally at a point where now I'm, you know, being more out there. I am going to more events mm-hmm. and talking about, you know, animal issues all around. And I think that's what's starting to attract me. The last two weeks, I've had three people come up to me and ask, like, "What can I do to be a part of your nonprofit board? I'm serious about this. I'm all in." And so far with with the new with my new little team around me, I feel like once upon a pocket finally get the growth that mm-hmm. that it that it deserves. Because I think we're ready. Yeah. I think we're totally ready. It's just having somebody consistently to like be right there and help every 
you know, every step of the way. It's even harder doing it from two different states. Right. Yes, yes. And I really appreciate the project manager Mm -hmm. in the Chicago location. Her name is Teresa Magnazzini. Mm -hmm. She is wonderful. And I think if it wasn't for her, the Chicago location probably would have been on, it probably would be on on a hold Mm -hmm. because it was so much going on with, you know, getting the paperwork done in Arizona and then still running. Like, we're mainly known for our mobile pet pantry. Mm-hmm. So that's our No Animals Goes Hungry, the mobile pet pantry. In Illinois, it's the Cook County area. In Arizona, it's the Maricopa County area. Okay. So as long as you live in those counties, we deliver the food, the supplies. If we have litter, treats, dog food, cage, a crate, bed, anything that we have, and that if, if anybody needs it, we are here for them. And how did you select those those certain counties? So how I selected it is because I grew up in Cook County. So I grew up in Cook County. I know I know I know a lot about you know being in Cook County. Mm-hmm. So when I thought nonprofit, I said I really wanted to you know give back to home first. And then how I chose Maricopa County is that's the county I currently live in now. Okay. Yeah. And and that's fine. I mean, that's where you're located. So your relationships and everything like that. I was just wondering, because certain times, um, if people have nonprofits, they, they open in certain geographical areas for certain reasons, you know what I mean? Whether that be, they, you know, just if they want to have hit a certain demographic, or if they want to hit, you know, a certain area, but also having partnerships is another reason, you know, to open up in certain places. So that's really interesting. I mean, and I like yeah. what you said about board members because it is really, really difficult to get an active board that is committed. And I'm glad that you're finally able to do that and how you kind of bridge that gap was just getting out there and talking about your nonprofit and inspiring other people to be a part of it. So that's one thing too. If people don't know about your nonprofit, you're not going to have many people involved. You know what I mean? But the more active you're out there in the community talking about it, speaking at yeah. events, et cetera, then you can really develop those stronger partnerships, which is which is great. And I'm glad you did that now. So just kind of looking at, you know, what and one of the reasons too you're in I mean people might say what is the relationship between Chicago and Arizona? Like it's so big. But it's because you moved down to Arizona, right? I mean that's pretty- yes. <laughs> yes, yes. So I told myself wherever when I was looking to you know start this new adventure yeah. I told myself wherever I move to that's yeah. why I will also bring once upon a fall also right. but I felt so disconnected I was so used to always being involved yeah um, in Illinois and me being you know all across you know, the world I felt so disconnected and I also felt like you know the the rate is still the same up here as far as like with animals having just roaming, free roaming. Honestly, I feel like up here in Arizona, that's what they really needed. Okay. So that really, so that really made me, made me feel like, you know, that is, that I, I really want to open up once upon a fall here. A no, lot I of people, that. a lot of people out here rescue them. They have like, have them 10 or 20 at a house, like pets at a house. Wow. So I feel like a lot of them really need the assistance here. And a lot of them, you know, I run into a, some people that are, hoard I, that I am convinced that they hoard animals of course you're in good condition I I'm an animal activist first yeah so I'll come and I'll help you but if it looks like the animals are in danger then yeah that's when I also educate the client and I make sure I stay on them to make sure if I have to get anybody involved to get these animals removed I will take them at my home mm-hmm. which I have a lot of space a lot of nice a lot of acres instead of the shelter zone right so yeah I'm 
I'm all for, like I said, I'm just a big giant animal activist. I'm all for the animals. Right. All for the people too, but I'm mainly for the animals. I'm their little voice. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great, and and that's just you know I wanted to kind of cover that. That's why it was, and and your nonprofit too. The nature of it, like you said, there's going to be need anywhere, so it really makes sense that it could it could be franchised in so many different places, right? So as far as anywhere in, in the world, this your nonprofit could be reproduced or franchised, right? In a way um, that could serve animals. So it's a really unique nonprofit. Really cool. So just kind of looking at that then. So you're, um, I'm glad that you have a fantastic project manager in Chicago and that's helping that run that. Um, also, what is, how do you actually keep it funded? So let's kind of look at the funding behind them because, you know, feeding animals and you know helping out with all the immunizations and everything that's not free right yeah yeah that's correct it's not free at all mm -hmm. um our funding usually just comes from like our t-shirt sales okay and then just our mobile pad pantries mm -hmm. so when we do make our trips to the client's house mm -hmm. we do ask them for a donation mm -hmm. for our services unless you're a, a senior or you have served in the military but we we get our funding, and that's mostly where most of our funding. So our like I said, like with the Arizona location being fairly new, most of our funding still comes mainly from the Illinois okay. location, from the OPAD pantry, and then our T-shirt sales have sparked very very high. And also the vet tech institution that I went to in Tinley Park called Fox College, mm -hmm. they do what we call the jeans day, mm -hmm. where you can wear uh, jeans with your scrub top. And you have to pay two dollars in order to be out of uniform. Oh, and yeah. so every uh, so when they do a fundraiser like that, Jeans Day fundraiser, they donate it to Once Upon a Paw. And with oh. that, and with that money, we take that and I open up the list to be able to pay for yeah. the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So I might have like a selective like four or five or six or seven, depending on how much they fundraise. But right. for us, that's how we go. So the the program isn't the vet the vet help program. Mm -hmm. That's the program we're paying for the vaccines, the phase, the, the uh, neuters. That program is like only open every, you know, once in a while, depending on funding. But long term, I would love for it to always be open. And that's right. one of our other biggest obstacles is just the funding and just really getting funded and getting people to understand like that our cause might be like every other cause out here for animals, but we are so different in so many ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. And how much funding, like just for the locations that you serve right now, how much funding do you project that you um, need, you know, to actually run it sufficiently where you can optimize? I feel like if we had $20,000 per year, and that would be, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that, and that would be for each location. So 20,000 each. And that might only be able to pay for like not throughout the year, mm -hmm. but even just for starters. Yeah. So maybe more than that. And I know you have a lot of, you have volunteers that help out, but do you have any paid staff? No paid staff. Yeah. Everybody who helps out at Once Upon a Paw, we're all volunteers. Right. So that might be something to look at too, right? To have paid staff. Yeah, that would be really, really, yeah, that would be really, really good because uh, with the Chicago location, once upon a pause, the mobile pet pantry is growing, mm -hmm. and Teresa is the only one that goes out there every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And you know, we get some clients that's like waiting, they wait all day, 
Yeah. Uh, most of them are very understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of them that's like, you know, upset because they wait all day. And I feel really, really bad because I do feel like I wish I had more people that was willing to volunteer mm-hmm. and just not expect, you know, a, a dollar sign to be attached. I want to say like last spring, I had the most volunteers I've had was six. Oh, nice. And that was including, that was including Teresa. But then they started to steal from the inventory. Oh, oh no. And then... Some of the, yeah, some of the cash donations end up missing. And mm-hmm. so, uh, and, and we had, I ended up finding out who did it. Yeah. And so two of them were let go. And then the other four just like stopped showing up. Yeah. So it's just hard with finding consistency. Yeah. So I figured even if I had a little funding to be able to pay. Yeah. Yeah. That would help out a lot. It would be good. Also. Mm-hmm. And have you guys applied for any grants yet? No. Okay. Is there a reason? Is it just time? Is it finding them? Is it, you know what I mean? Uh, all the above. <laughs> all the above. It goes from finding them. Um, I have hired a grant writer and I, I felt like I didn't really see no results. Uh, and so I said, okay, well, I, I started to take uh, grant writing courses. That's how I ended up writing it to you. Because mm-hmm. I was just really, really searching. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like listening to your podcast and just trying to learn it for myself. Right. Even if, even if I talk to my close friend who has a nonprofit, he's always saying like, "Well, I do my own grant. So learn how to do your grant, find mm-hmm. them, you know, and then do your grants." But mm-hmm. that can be so time consuming when I wear the hat. Right. So so many so many positions. I'm doing the treasurer. I'm doing the grant writing. So and I'm overseeing all the programs and I'm making sure that the fundraiser. So I mean, it would just be it would just be nice if you know. I have a bigger team. Right. So that more stuff can be branched off. Right. Well, maybe too, what you could do is when you're out there more and you're getting more people that are interested to serve on your board, you could even ask, you know, I'm looking for a grant writer to serve on my board, you know, to really be invested in that. So that could be one option. So somebody who already has a skill, they want to serve on your board and they want to help. The other thing you could look at too is, you know, any interns, if you have any colleges where you're at and they offer any kind of professional writing programs, then you could see if you have some people that could be interns at your nonprofit and help with the grant writing. And, you know, and, and with that, the only thing is with that is sometimes you're not going to find necessarily an intern who has grant writing skills. So what I recommend is, you know, get a course for them or buy a book for them and, and train them up. And then they'll be more willing to stay with you because you're actually investing with them and you don't have to pay thousands of dollars for a grant writing course. You know, there's a lot of diversity out there or something like that. So, I mean, that could be a way of you're providing some skills and you're still keeping that product for any new interns that come on board, but you're also help train them up. And then in return, they're going to be writing some grants for you. So those are a couple of different options too, as far as you want to keep your executive director hat on, right? But have these other people kind of help. But yeah, I would definitely recommend even grant writers who are starting out that haven't won a lot of grants. You know what I mean? Sometimes they want to volunteer at places just for a certain amount of time just to start winning some grants. So they've already have the experience of knowing how to find them, but they just want to get their feet wet more. So that could be another okay. where you reach out to different freelance grants 
uh, like LinkedIn groups or something or Facebook groups and be like, Hey, is there anyone oh, okay. who wants some experience, you know, or who wants to, you know, work on winning some grants so they get some grants under their belts so they can start charging after, you know? So those are three things that I could recommend. You know what I mean? That might help you out. Yeah. And you okay. got five years old. It, you're not just a new nonprofit, you know, that just started this year. You have history, you have credibility, you have numbers served, you have a lot, you know, going for you that I really do think you'd be credible to get some funding. And the amount of money that you're looking for right now is not astronomical at all. You know what I mean? It's very doable. Even yeah. if you a Walmart grant for a couple thousand dollars, you know what I mean? Like some low hanging grants bring in 5,000 here, et cetera. And then, you know, really work on your products. Like you said, you have t-shirts and then creating some kind of fundraiser too, right? I know that's a whole nother yes. thing, but it could be your annual big fundraiser that you pull off, right? Just to create. Yes, yes. And I'm actually planning to do like something really, really big, like a dog walk or that's actually been in the talk. So I really want to, awesome. that would be nice to have something yeah. That, like annually. Yeah. We have um an animal shelter here and they had this thing called the fastest and the furriest. It was super cute. <laughs> so it was like a oh, 5K. So yeah, like a 2K, 5K. And you could bring your dog and then get pictures with your dog at the end of the, you know, like at the finish line. That is yeah, but super cool. They were able to do a lot with getting press releases out there about it, going on the local television station, the radio stations, and really just, you know, promote a lot of awareness about their organization, but also raise funds, right? So maybe corporate sponsors in your areas would be really interested in donating to what you do. And you could have different levels of sponsorship for this you know, annual 5k or whatnot. Right. But yeah. that's a great opportunity because a lot of times dogs are not allowed at 5ks. Right. So this one, yeah. that would be the emphasis, like bring your animal, you know, and then you could sell t-shirts, you know, even like if you have any dog clothes <laughs> or cat clothes you know, at the end, so they could like be having some swag. <laughs> like that would be super fun. Yeah. <laughs> So those might be some suggestions, whatever, you know, but I like the idea of that, having some kind of dog walk or something, because people want to be able to take their animals out, right? So really promote that. Yeah. So that sounds like a fun adventure. And you could even bank <laughs> off a crowdfunder on top of that. So for people not in the area, but who are getting excited about your your fundraiser, that they could give online, right? So um, okay. that. But I would definitely, you know, they, they donate a certain amount to give a t-shirt or give some kind of merch, right, back to them because you guys actually have it. So that's good. But yeah, anything around the animal, animal products are really popular. So I don't, have you delved more into animal products? Um, I have. I've um, been thinking about, you know, actually getting, we do have doggy t-shirts. Mm -hmm. But I usually do those upon request. I have I, I have shirts for kids, and then I wanted to do like some leashes, some yeah. collars, maybe get some keychains. Yeah, I mean those it's would be great. Having, yeah, and like and that's nothing too. I think that that might get, uh, be able to benefit having a little store on the actual website. Yes, that would be awesome. And, uh, yeah, yeah, they'll be able to make a purchase there. Yep, and then the funds will go, of course, one hundred percent. 
Yeah, because the, the other good thing about having merchandise on your website is that if people are just looking for merchandise, like they weren't interested, you know, they're not looking, they're not using your keywords like your SEO as far as once upon a paw or nonprofit or whatever. They're just looking for like dog shirt, right? And then they come across your, your website through the merchandise, but then they say, oh, this is a nonprofit. See, so you're getting people coming in the back, you know, like on another target level. So yeah, yeah. And you can, I mean, even like little, um, dog and cat dishes, you know what I mean? For their, with their water and their food and just, yeah, I would definitely look at the products and that you don't even, you can, you can drop ship them somewhere. So even if somebody else is manufacturing them, so you don't have to do that all on your end and it can ship through their manufacturer. So um, you might look into drop shipping unless you're developing it all, right? But then you would just say, maybe just start with like two products and see what's really selling or start a few different products and then say, okay, what's one selling the most? What one or two are my top sellers? And then just take yeah. everything else off and just focus on those ones. So then you don't have to sit on a bunch of inventory or put capital into stuff, right? You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. So that might be something to look at because I know products can be a little bit scary for nonprofits, but really, I mean, I think they're amazing because you're giving something in return. And those could be things too. Like I said, if you, if you get volunteers and they're just like committed volunteers, like maybe annually you give them some of your merchandise, you know what I mean? So it's a nice kind of give back too, um, to the people who really help out. Or if you have events, you could be selling those when you at different events you could have at your table. It's not just signing up for your nonprofit, but you also have some products there that you can sell, you know? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But those would be cute. I would love that. I would. And then you're also, what I love about it too, products is now people are advertising your logo or whatever. Right. So yeah. Oh yeah. I'm already thinking about the once upon a pot earring. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> So cute. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So let's see. So as you positioning, so now you're year five of your nonprofit. What's next for Once Upon a Paw? I know we talked about some kind of funding opportunities, but what's the whole like vision and, you know, mission of where, you, where you're going? Um, what's next for Once Upon a Paw is we are just pretty much planning to be nationwide. Nice. I want to be as, as big as any other animal organization mm -hmm. on the planet and i i feel like you know this just the opening in illinois and in arizona is mm -hmm. just the beginning i love it it's, it's just the beginning i already have like animal activists i know in tennessee mm -hmm. that's like just let me know if you want to start to you know do do it in, in, in tennessee and we should this should be the next location so i'm already telling people like okay calm, calm down <laughs> but i definitely definitely wanted to like grow and be the be the be the biggest next you know nonprofit for the animals yeah. um, i eventually do want to have a giant pet sanctuary so i always just a lot of a lot of people see you know once upon a probably see it on my car they always and so you're a rescue and i tell them we are not a rescue but we are the resources for for like we're pretty much the resources we're the 411 for yeah. anybody who need any information where can I take my dog for grooming? Where can I take my dog for vaccines? Or if I don't qualify for your program, where can I go that's cheaper? Mm -hmm. 
So I just, I love it. I love that you guys help, you know, feeding the animals for people who actually own the animals. Like it makes so much sense, you know, and especially, you know, the economy, it tips and turns like people, they have the best intentions when they get pets and they still love their pets, but man, they just need that help, right. To, to help feed them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I, I feel like the parents didn't suffer. You know, I feel like the parents didn't suffer at all. And I feel like, you know, people should never be sad for having to surrender their pets. I'm definitely, definitely excited. Definitely excited for, for once upon a time in the future. Um, yes. Like just pretty much having a giant building, probably located in Illinois, mm -hmm. uh, since that's the hometown, have it located there. And it's just, it's not a shelter. Like I just wanted a pet sanctuary. Yeah. Like, well, and well, like all the, well, I actually go to the shelter mm -hmm. and the animals that that they want to put down for some reason or some reason that they say mm -hmm. we're going to put them down. I can just, I'll take those animals. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I would just like, and all the, all the old ones that's going to, you know, be in the shelters and, and probably going to die there. I would just like to go take all those animals and bring them to the once upon a ball pet sanctuary. Just live out their best lives there. Mm -hmm. That would be wonderful. So, um, if you, so just, um, our listeners, a lot of them, you know, they're also executive directors for small nonprofits or there are people who are wanting to help nonprofits in the consultancy space. So, um, if you had to look back now that you've been in this for five years, if you could go back to yourself five years ago and give yourself a piece of advice as far as running a nonprofit, what would that advice be? Make sure. I would have said, the only advice I would probably say is make sure that I have a board, like an active board before I actually, I guess, yeah, I guess that's the only, the only advice I would give myself is making sure that I, I felt that I automatically would have a lot of support because everybody knows I love animals, but it just, it didn't roll like that. So I feel like if I would have started it and definitely, I definitely would have also told myself to study up because when I started the nonprofit. I knew nothing about running a nonprofit. Hired this company, mm -hmm. told them about my vision, and I asked them to help me get my 501c3 status. And once I got it, I didn't know what to do with it. Right. <laughs> so I mean, that that I felt like that put a year and a half of delay with the with, within that you know the five years. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely the, the advice would have definitely just learned more about how to mm -hmm. probably go about it. And if I would have started, at least started it with someone mm -hmm. it could probably it probably would be much bigger now still i mean not saying it hasn't grown because it has mm -hmm. but it probably will be on a larger scale in right. the five years so me doing all so much work and mostly alone yeah. it just it's taking it's taking longer no and i love that you pointed that out because um i mean that was a great it was so easy for you to start the nonprofit, and i i really think a lot of people should utilize consultants to help out with that because it really does streamline but it looks like the only challenge with that then is you didn't have that that board helping you out with those things and that's where it takes a little longer for a lot of nonprofits. but when their boards involved then they usually stay involved more long term when they're involved with the organization part right getting it all set up so yeah that's an interesting kind of just position that you had yourself in as far as like oh i can move forward and i'm moving forward fast but then you almost made yourself isolated by doing that right so, yeah but i love that so um that that advice you know also learn more so people can find out more about you at www.onceuponapaw.org so once again onceuponapaw.org and you guys are also on facebook are you anywhere else on social uh we are 
on Instagram. So our Facebook is currently deactivated. We are revamping it. Okay. We are trying to review everything, but we are on Instagram mm-hmm. at once underscore upon underscore a underscore Paul. P-A-W. Okay. Awesome. So once upon a Paul, but all divided by underscores on Instagram. So you guys can definitely find Asia Stevens there. Um, check her out, support her, send her some questions, whatever you got. If you have any questions after listening to this that we did not get to, please reach out to her. And you can always go to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 113 as well. And we have all of the links and information that you need to um, see more about Once Upon a Paw and Asia Stevens. Such a pleasure having you on the show. I'm so happy we finally were able to touch base and do this. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I'm very honored. Yeah. After your, um, once you get your annual event going on, whatever that may be, or when you develop some products, more products, we'd love to have you back on the show to see how that's all going. So yeah. Yes. Definitely. I would definitely be keeping you guys on the loop. Yay. All right. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Have a nice day. Do you want to join the Changemaker Tribe and get courses, downloadable checklists, samples of awarded grants, behind-the-scenes live Q&A with myself and the Tribe, and discounts on grant services? Be sure to join the Changemaker membership at www.grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash membership. Thank you for listening to this Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time. For more questions, email Holly at holly at grantwritingandfunding.com or visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com. 